All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Can you see it? Did you know But the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. here like I don't I won't cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and down oh, no. wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Happy New Year, everyone. You will be listening to this on January 2nd. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined by Chris Faber. We are recording this remotely on New Year's Eve, Chris, because neither of us are going to have any plans tonight. Yeah, my uh, my plans include some chips, some dip, some cranberry juice, uh, and going to bed early because I've been up since about 3.30 this morning. So uh, yeah, Happy New Year to all the listeners. It's been uh, a wild 2020 and I got a really good feeling about 2021. Do you really? That's a that's a pretty hot take given the year we just had. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> I know that some people are like, don't jinx it and say it can't get much worse. But like, like really, like, can it get much worse? Like straight, like man, like you've been taken away from being able to just see people. Like, can it yeah. get much worse in twenty twenty one? Like, I really don't think it can. Like, I got a good feeling uh, going into twenty twenty one, man. I know I'm overly positive about a lot of things, but the world. I'm feeling positive about it, man. And no, I haven't been drinking, by the way. (laughs) That's going to be my next question. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out in 2021. But one thing that's going to be starting in 2021 here, we're going to get off to a hot start here. Holy cow, Chris. By the time people are listening to this, no, they'll be listening to it on Saturday. Okay, so here's here's the schedule we've been given. So Sunday, Travis Green and Jim Benning are going to speak to the media and they are going to have a meeting together right before that. So maybe we hear about a Travis Green extension. Like, that's going to be a story going into camp, absolutely. And speaking of camp, first on-ice session on Monday morning. As far as we know, both of us are going to be there on Monday. I'm going to be taking Tuesday off, but I'm going to be doing a live mailbag from the rink on Monday, and I'm pretty excited to do that. Going to try and fire up the CA Instagram, see what I can do on there, and, you know, see what we can accomplish here because I'm pretty excited for the next week in a bit and hockey season's right around the corner. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting. And uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about on the Patreon uh, next week because obviously we'll do a midweek special for our Patreon listeners. But the other exciting news, back to two shows a week as you're listening to this, it's 2021. And last week on the show, we did promise 2021. We're back to two episodes a week. So it's awesome to like talk hockey right now. I know both of us were just chomping at the bit to get at this episode and start recording because like, Man, it's been a tough handful of months since, like, hockey actually ended. There was some off-season stuff we were able to discuss, but, you know, we've been we've been pulling out, like, threads for a long time here, just trying to get anything to talk about to make an hour of content. But with World Juniors currently going on, with some overseas prospects still playing hockey, with training camps starting the day after, or sorry, two days after that this podcast gets released, like... It's happening, man. Like, we're back to hockey. The podcast is about to just take off. I got a good feeling about it, like I said. Uh, and yes, I'm only drinking cranberry juice. And we're going to have a shorter off-season, which is dope. Because from a Canucks, solely Canucks Army, and hell, even Canucks Convo, from a perspective of content creation about the Vancouver Canucks, for guys like you and I who, you know, like Canucks Army, we're pumping out two articles a day, and we have been this entire time. Like, I'm really proud of that. But we just went through two off-seasons and managed to get two articles up every single day at least, and then we managed to do podcasting on top of it, and our numbers haven't dipped at all. We've been, you know, we've been keeping the momentum going, and that's what we want. We've got a lot of recurring listeners. We love you all, but holy cow, man, I'm just so excited to have some actual hockey because you're right. We were pulling threads for a bit, and it was it was getting tough toward the end for sure, but then with World Juniors and now, obviously, the training camp and the season starting up, it's a good time to be a Canucks content creator. <laughs> Uh, I'm just thinking back to like the episode where we discussed like we drafted our best teams 
for Canucks players in a zombie apocalypse. And like to see where to see where we what we were trying to put together for content at that time uh, compared to what we're about to put out this episode is a lot of fun because yeah there's so much to discuss going into training camp by the time we hear next week's episode or sorry the midweek episode uh, we're gonna be able to talk about what we actually saw on the ice but um, we do have a roster to deal with so I mean we could touch on a few things that might have stuck out from the roster that was given to us on I believe it was Thursday morning right. Yep, absolutely. The main thing is Michael Furland's not going to be at camp, I think, is, you know, he was on the roster, but Rick Dollywall of TSN 1040 reporting today that Michael Furland will not be at camp. Chris, this was kind of expected, like Drance was reporting this, we were, you know, we kind of knew this was coming, but... Just to kind of see that third line spot really open up even more. Like, I don't know if either of us had Furland in our projections. I don't think we did. But man, like, I don't know about you, but I'm really intrigued to see Nils Hoglander even more so after I know that Furland's not going to be in the lineup. I'm really intrigued to see how Vertanen does. It's going to be... People are going to be fighting for jobs. And I don't know if you saw, Green had a quote the other day, or maybe it was today. Just kind of taking a shot, it sounded like. <laughs> Jake, he was just like asked about, oh, like, how do you feel about the top six having like Louie and blah, 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 or Jake, whatever it was. And he was just like, yeah, jobs are going to have to be earned and not given. And it's kind of interesting because we've all been kind of giving Jake Vertanen that spot, right? Like in a lot of projections, Jake Vertanen's in the top six. Like that's how it looks like it's going to shake out. But... I'm thinking there's going to be a world where we see a second line of Louis Erickson, Bo Horvat, and Tanner Pearson once again. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. It's like Travis Green's to go to when he needs a, to kind of balance out the offense or balance out the top six, but it just, it really limits a lot of what happens offensively on that line. So I, I think that we are going to see Jake Vertanen be put into the top six, to be honest. Like I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him come out of camp. Obviously this is something that Travis Green has to do is try and challenge a guy like Jake Vertanen because we we've heard a lot of rumors that Jake's been working out pretty damn hard in the off season. Yeah. You know, we've we've seen him posting the videos as people as hockey players do in the off season of them lifting weights and shooting pucks. Uh, and we've seen that from Jake Vertanen. So I think that this is this is a great opportunity for him to be a top six player. And you know what, like the door's wide open for somebody to come take the spot, whether it be a Niels Huglander who you mentioned earlier, or a Jake Vertanen, or potentially Louis Erickson just falls in that spot if nobody can come out and take it, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be talked about going into camp. There's going to be a lot to talk about as we go through camp. And I really think that there's going to be a tempo set, not only for this whole Canucks team, but like one of the guys that I'm going to have my eyes on pretty much the whole day is going to be Jake Vertanen. Like, what is he like on the ice? Is it that much different from the previous camp that we just saw in July? Because you could see on day one of that camp in July that Jake Vertanen should not be in the Vancouver Canucks top six. Heck, he wasn't even in the lineup when they started playing in the bubble, right? So, like, that's the situation that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on. I really hope, I'm hoping that Jake can come into camp in good shape, be ready to win a spot, and actually impress people instead of what he did two times last year and have a letdown at camp. He's got to be ready, doesn't he? Like, he has to be at this point. Like, there's, I think we briefly touched on this. I'm not sure if it was off air, but we talked about, like, 
man, what if Jake's not ready? And like, what if he comes in and is just out of shape again? Because then it gets really ugly. Like that's when we start throwing out like, oh, maybe Tyler Mott can play in the top six. And we're just <laughs> throwing all these wild proposals. Hell, even Louie in the top six doesn't even seem that crazy, given that that's exactly what we saw when Tyler Toffoli went down. And now, you know, with a Canucks team that doesn't have Tyler Toffoli, it, it just seems to me like at some point or other during this season, we're going to see Louie Erickson on that line. I don't know if it's right off the hop, but I think it's bound to happen. Like, Louis Erickson's inevitable. Is he not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's true. We are going to see it at some point during the season, I believe. Like, uh, it, it's just going to happen. Like, Louis is going to find his way beside Bo Horvat, and Bo Horvat's production is going to go down with Louis Erickson, the sinking ship of offense. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of guys that could shock. And when I saw that roster, the, the two things that popped out to me uh, and three technically, but he wasn't on the list. And Arthur Sillo is the other guy that I'll add to this. But two Ooh. guys born past the year 2000. Jet Wu and Niels Huglander. Both coming in as guys that were born in the year 2000. Uh, Arthur Sillo's as well. Unless he's a 19... Unless he's a 2001. Because uh, I think he's only 19 right now, right? I'm not 100% yeah. sure on that. Uh, but think... anyways, definitely born after the year 2000. To see guys like that on a roster. Like, you were born in the year 2000. So it's not like shocking to you but to me like it's like oh man like these these guys are coming in very very young um and both of them are gonna have some eyes on them i was kind of not really surprised to see jet Wu on that list but i just wasn't really sure if he was gonna be invited to camp as a whole specifically when we heard that there was like a limit of 36 players or mm-hmm. whatever it was the number that they put out I, I was kind of like i wasn't shocked but i was kind of like oh wow i kind of forgot that jet Wu was gonna be at this camp yeah i I mean, he was kind of somebody, I don't know, maybe you don't read the Canucks Army comments as much as I do, but when I was talking about, like, Jack Rathbone, Brogan Rafferty, and Ollie Levy <laughs> having this battle, someone was like, oh, what about Jet Wu? And I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, he'll be there, but I don't think Jet Wu's ready to challenge for the spot just yet. You know, maybe we'll see, we'll see how he's progressed, but, you know, last we saw of Jet Wu, he wasn't anywhere near NHL ready, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But uh, the other guy you mentioned there is Archer Silo who plays goalie, so you know I'm going to want to talk about him. But yes, I did look it up. That's the part of the show where I look stuff up uh, while we're recording. And yes, he is 2001, which means I am older than him, which makes me feel old, Chris. Okay, uh, calm down. <laughs> um, but what I do want to say about Slavs is kind of segueing into this discussion that I was having with Woodley for a story that I did for Canucks Army, which will be up on Friday morning, January 1st, so people should have already read it by now. Uh, But we were talking quite a bit, and just a little bit off-air, we were talking about the third goaltender uh, position and how they have like the taxi squad and you know Jim was talking I think it was to iMac and was just kind of like asked about it and you know from what he said it, it really made it sound like yeah well our hands are tied it's going to be Di Pietro and you look we know the Canucks aren't going to want to spend right now we know that that's coming from ownership uh, that they don't want to spend right now so I get that but man it's just in terms of having a goaltender that can jump in whenever somebody goes down. I don't know if Di Pietro's that guy just yet. And even if he is, do you really want him sitting in the press box for a full season? And it's just like, it's making me wonder because if they want Di Pietro in the minors getting game action, remember, kid hasn't played since March. It can really affect your development not to face game action in like that long of a time. There's no precedent for that for a young goaltender. So I'm sure they'd rather not experiment that with Mikey, but 
if they do want to get him in the AHL, that makes a guy like Slavs the third goaltender. That makes him the taxi squad goaltender, which is great. He's finally going to get to work with Ian Clark. Ian can start giving him his philosophies and he can start working on, you know, narrowing the stance. That's the big thing with Slavs. I've pointed out many times, like he's already started to work on it, but you know, getting those tips from, uh, from Ian Clark is going to really help his development. So yes, it's great from a developmental standpoint, but again, like what if they run into a situation where one of their goaltenders goes down and this isn't as crazy as I think people think it is. Like, what if somebody gets a positive COVID test, right? Like, it's not a bubble. We're not talking about a bubble. So if there's a positive COVID test, and God forbid both the goaltenders who spend time together test positive, you're going to have to use your third goaltender, and then you're going to have to use whatever the emergency situation is. Um, but they're going to have to use Salovs in that situation. So when it comes to that, I would rather have Di Pietro. It's just a double-edged sword, I think, having a young goaltender up here because, you know, with Salovs, it's he's not ready. And you're getting into a Di Pietro versus the Sharks where he let in seven goals because he was, I think, 19 at the time. Uh, you're getting into that territory, and that's not good for a young goaltender's development, especially one who was kind of taken in the later rounds, hasn't really faced elite competition just yet. You know, he even struggled a little in the OHL. Now, I don't want to get too much into his OHL season, but I think he just has a few things to work on and he can really clean it up. But I don't know, man. I'm looking at this situation. I'm just saying like, man, when waivers comes, like the Canucks need to take a goaltender. And with that, before I before I stop talking here, if they get a guy off waivers, all they have to do is put a guy who's on a two-way contract onto the taxi squad and then just carry an extra goaltender on the roster. It's really not hard, especially with a taxi squad. So I don't know, man. I'm just... I don't know. I'm I'm really like I'm really kind of not worried, but it's something to keep in mind that the Canucks don't really have a third string goaltender right now, and it could be something that comes and bites them in the rear later on. Yeah, I mean it could, right? Like it definitely could, but I feel like the way that you saw Mikey DiPietro last year come into a starter in the AHL role and actually, like, assume that spot. Comparing that game that he had against San Jose Sharks when he was 18 or 19 years old, uh, I feel like that's kind of old news because now he's got a full professional season under his belt. He was with the AHL team the whole year. He was facing AHL competition, which is some of the best shooters in the world. I don't think it's the scariest thing to have Mikey DiPietro play five games if he has to this season. No, I don't think no, that's a very scary right. thing at all. You're absolutely right. What's scary is him have, having played zero, and he sits in the press box the whole season because nobody gets injured, and there's no need for him. That's what's scary, yeah. right? So, and and even even the five-game thing, like, man, I'm with you. I'm a big DiPietro fan. You know I'm a massive DiPietro fan. But holy cow, like, it's not like, it's, it's not like a regular season where, you know, Demko can... Demko can carry the load while Holtby's hurt or vice versa. And then DPS just has to play backup duties. Like, no, this is a compact schedule. These guys are going to be tired. Like, there's 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 parts in that schedule, Chris, where there are six games in nine days. That is ridiculous. Right. So, so what you're saying is, like, you're worried that there's going to be zero games. But everything that you just mentioned in the last five minutes sounds like there will be opportunity for a third-string goalie to play. Like, they, there there's be. no... Yeah, but there's no chance... Like, there is a very, very, very small chance that the Vancouver Canucks goaltending situation is just Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko all year long. From injuries, yeah. from, like you mentioned, COVID travel, 
and going throughout the cities of Canada, like you mentioned, like there there is a very, very slim chance that he plays in zero games. And I think that having him even back up in some games and get the opportunity to work with Ian Clark full time is more valuable than what really is the unknown of the AHL right now, which isn't even starting until I think yep. February they announced it. Like February early 5th. February. Right. Yeah. So like I just don't know about what's going to happen in the HL. I also don't know about the competition. Like, let's let's look at the the taxi squad from like a wider lens here for a second. You're taking the six best players off of your AHL team, right? Like you are. You're taking a you're taking a full line. You're taking three forwards, two defensemen, and and you know maybe a goalie, right? Like you're taking a top line and a top pairing off your AHL. So like. How many players in the AHL that are normally like second pair defensemen or second line guys or third line guys actually make like a long NHL career? Like not a ton. And a lot of these teams are going to be using their young guys in that spot. So are you putting Mikey DiPietro down in the AHL so that he can face a lot of, you know, kind of like ECHL competition? Or like he's going to get half, half of these teams rosters are going to be ECHL players. And I just think that I don't know if there's that much to gain. When I look at the two different situations, even if you were to play like two games in the NHL, yeah, I think that getting the chance to work with Ian Clark so closely, being able to to be around a lot of shooters and whatever they're going to do with this taxi squad, like there's no way that these guys on the taxi squad go a full year without getting into games. Just the way that we've seen other leagues go through this, like look at the NFL, man. Like look at how many players in the NFL when they were coming into play and I know that now it's America, and then obviously the Canadian division is going to be a lot different from what they've seen in the United States. But at the same time, we've seen like we've seen teams in the NFL lose all of their quarterbacks. Like that's happened in the NFL this season on the guys that like all their practice roster guys, all of their guys on the roster have yeah. had to like miss. There's no way that you would go this year without Mikey DiPietro getting into a handful of games for the Vancouver Canucks and probably backing up to be on. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least appear in like 10 hockey games and just comparing wow. that to what you're going to have, like maybe not like play, but I'm saying like back up or play yeah, in yeah. games, like 10 suit games, up, yeah. he'll be suited up. Right. So like just looking at that compared to what you're going to have at the AHL level, which is just, it's so questionable for me right now. What, what's going to happen with the AHL. And I just, I think that having Mikey DiPietro on that taxi squad makes a lot of sense to me. And if you have to like rotate him in and, you know, maybe even just give Thatcher Demko a night off as a backup to put Mikey DiPietro in as a backup, like that's an option as well. This is, it's, it's like a year we've never really seen before. And this taxi squad is going to be such a different thing where I like the taxi squad for guys like Niels Hoglander. I like the taxi squad for Jack Rathbone. I like it for Mikey DiPietro just because we don't know that it's a bad thing yet. Like, I think that if teams do it right, you can really make it a positive thing for these prospects. But but we do know that not being able to be in game action for a goaltender and not being able to read plays as they develop and only facing drills where you already know where the puck's coming from and facing you know practice shots... It's not the same value as like looking through traffic as like, you know, in a game situation right. you just, you can't compare the two and that's not coming from me. That's coming from other goalie people I've talked to. And that's just, you know, that's just the fact of the matter. And that's what's so crappy about it. And that's, you know, I'm totally with you. That's where I had reservations too, is that maybe the AHL doesn't even have a season. Like I'm personally, I'm very skeptical that they're going to be able to make it work. Um, you know, hell, even the WHL had a return to play plan and that doesn't look like it's going to be happening anytime soon. So I don't know, like they just got their plan out. I'm going to want to wait and see before I, you know, say, okay, there's no way DiPietro should be on the taxi squad. It's just like, 
I I like him in that spot, and absolutely, he is the most he is the best option that they have right now. My point is that getting a third goaltender and getting like a veteran backup is not a bad idea at this point in time. It's just because you're going to need them. Like you said, like you made a really good point that, you know, there's, it's highly unlikely that both of these guys get through a full season. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's like you want a goaltender who can go in. And, you know, if you want to do that while not hindering DiPietro's, um, development by making him sit in the press box for a full season potentially, then at least you have that guy. You know what I mean? You're not even running any risk with DiPietro. And I don't know, like I look at a guy like Thatcher Demko who spent what, what was it like three seasons in the AHL and man, I know DiPietro took huge steps l- last year. And to be clear, those were ginormous steps. Like that was oh, not yeah. easy to do what he did. And he, he's knocking on the door for sure. But I just don't know if it's going to really hurt his development to be getting game action in the AHL as much as, you know, not being able to play at all uh, would. Here's the other situation. Let's say that, because I think it's harder to for the Canucks, not like harder, like it's very doable, very possible. I just don't think it's going to happen that they're going to go out and get a third string guy. Like they're not going to no. go out and get a Louis Domingue. I just don't think it's something no, that won't. the Canucks are going to do, right? Like we've... We've seen yeah, the way that they've acted in free agency. They have money to spend now with Michael Furlan likely being on LTIR. And I just don't think that that's the thing that where they're going to spend cap space, if they're going to spend any cap space on top of what they have already. So let's say that, you know, let's say that Archer Silos is the guy who's on that taxi squad. He gets an opportunity to work with Ian Clark, which is great for the 19-year-old. But then Braden Holtby goes down for six weeks with a bad knee. Knock on wood. Yeah. Now we're seeing Silos who has to play because you can't get DiPietro up here in time, right? Like he can't get into game action yet. I just think that that's a tough thing that you're going to put a guy like Silos in who isn't ready at all yeah. for that kind of spot that he might be put into for who knows how long until you can get Mikey DiPietro up and back with the team, able to skate and actually play in hockey games. Like, I don't know what the protocol is for that. Like, did I see something is- about about yeah. that came out that they are allowed to now just not have the two-week quarantine yeah i was about to get into that okay, um you talk about so, that because i just saw that briefly i didn't really understand it, it i think it yeah. just dropped today on thursday it did uh i'm calling it the archer Silov's rule because he wasn't going to be ready for day one of training camp but it looks like he will be now uh yeah the people coming in now uh for the nhl are going to be exempt from the 14-day quarantine okay uh, so that so, changes it that changes what i said a little bit then because then you can but, get DiPietro here in three days, two but, days pretty much. But that is also for training camp as far as we know. Like we oh, don't okay. know if that's going to stick. So your point is not completely invalid at all. Um, obviously, if that's the case, then yeah, it makes more sense to have DiPietro in the minors, no question. But, you know, let's look at it from the perspective of what you were just saying. Like you don't want to throw Silovs in there, which is why I think it's so important that they go out and get a third string goalie. Well, that's the thing. Like think about it. If it, if it is a two week wait and you're playing seven games in 14 days, because that's just the way the schedule is like Silovs is getting two games there. He's like, he's getting two or three games there. That's a 19 year old that you're throwing out to the absolute wolves. Now you're looking at the exact situation that you talked about earlier of a DiPietro going out and facing the sharks and letting in seven or eight goals or whatever it was. Exactly. But now you're doing that to Silos. Exactly. And let's be clear. Silos is not ready yet. He's not ready. He's not going to, he's not going to be effective in an NHL game just yet. And And it's not even a knock on him. In Victoria, 
He looked really good in Victoria. He's a big dude. He's also married, right? Like he's 19 years old and he's married. Yeah, yeah, he was he's, married yeah. at 18. <laughs> I can hear I can hear the jealousy in your voice, Claude. Everybody, <laughs> for people that don't know, that's Dave's dream is just to be married already. I'm jealous of his uh, mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. For a 19 we have similar year old, facial it's hair, it's not bad. <laughs> Our pencil stashes are very similar. Um, okay, let's get off this goalie trend because I know you're just loving this right now. I am. I, I, I even told you before we recorded, I'm like, okay, hey, we're going to talk about goalies, but unironically. Like, I'm, yeah. it's not going to be a thing that I, I said, just yeah, talk about. I'll take the bait on this one, but this is the last episode. I'm taking it for like, for at least two, well, no, we're going to have to talk week? about training camp. Maybe a week. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to talk about it by like next weekend. But anyways, <laughs> I gave you your goalie talk. Let's move on to something else because there's a lot of stuff on this roster I want to get to. Okay, you go go for it, man. You tell me which what, what we're doing. I did my goalie talk. Okay, perfect. Jack Rathbone is going to look sick in number three. He's wearing number three at training camp. That's going to look awesome. I, I'm wanting to get your opinion on that third pair right now because I think that a lot... I don't know if a lot's changed. Like I'm still sticking with Jordy Ben and Brogan Rafferty. That's what I want. Do I expect that to be the, the pairing? I don't think so. I like I'm starting to get to the point right now where I don't know if I'm just like thinking too much about it, but I don't know if Jordy Ben is actually going to be on that third pair. Like I feel like it's something that makes a lot of sense, but at the same way that like Jim Benning has talked about this training camp so much, I just wouldn't be surprised if Jordy Ben is kind of that seventh defenseman again because two of either Rafferty, Yolevi, or Rathbone or even, like, I hate to say it, but, like, <laughs> Jalen Chatfield, who's probably, like, he's worse than Guillaume Brisebois for sure. He's worse than Ashton Sautner for sure. But for some reason, Jim Benning really likes Jalen Chatfield. And if he's putting anything into Travis Green's ear at this training camp, I feel like it's just, like, just give Chatfield a chance, man. Just give him a chance. <laughs> like, what happened to Breezeball? Why Remember when Jim Benning loved Breezeball? Breezeball is a better defenseman than Jalen Chatfield. So, like... Why aren't we talking about Breezebaugh or Sautner, who's a better defenseman than both of those guys right now, and he played the right side last year with Ole Olevi. So, like, I don't know why those two guys aren't being talked about as much as Chatfield is here, but I, I just, I, I I was so set for so long thinking that Jordy Ben was going to be that third-pairing guy, and he was either going to play the right side with Olevi or Rathbone, or he was going to play the left side with Brogan Rafferty. But now, like, I guess the more I'm thinking about it, I just I don't know if it's going to be Jordy Ben now. Like, are you feeling this, or am I just overthinking? Like, no. I feel like I've been thinking about the third pair for for like we've been talking about the third pair for like <laughs> so long, and now we're like two days away, and my brain's just like freaking out about what I've been like so certain about for so long. Well, that's the thing. We started talking about with Harmon when we had Harmon in studio. We talked about it for so long. We were like, yeah, they got to go get Slater Cuckoo, and then that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, Chris: is I don't I don't like Ben in that spot, but. Knowing what Travis likes, there is no way we're seeing a rookie third pairing. We're just not. Yep. So it's like, okay, if you're looking to replace Ben and, you know, Michael Furlan's going to go on LTIR, that much is almost clear. They have to do a physical, but Furlan cannot fly for the physical. So that should tell you everything you need to know. They're conducting the physical over Zoom, uh, which is totally bizarre, but that's what's going to happen. Uh, so, Furlan's going to go on LTIR, freeing up some cap space. Look at these deals that are getting signed, man. Like they are low, oh. low cost deals. So what did what did Char go for? Seven nine five. Yes, yeah, he went like, like almost Char goes for seven nine five. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So what does a guy like Travis Hamanick get? A guy who the Canucks have been kicking the tires on, and, and a Sammy guy Vatanen, that too. plays Let's the right Vatanen. side. Sammy yeah, and Vatanen. Sammy Vatanen. Like, he's he's not as. 
He's not as good of a fit, I don't think. Um, really? That's I just, don't know. No, he's not. He I doesn't think kill I get, penalties. No, but I do get some Troy Stetcher vibes from him. Like a little guy, littler right side guy who can you know, make decent passes out of the zone. Like I know that he's fallen sure. off and maybe lost a step over the past couple of years, but man, Sammy Vatanen could really move the puck a few years ago in the NHL. And that's something that you kind of like to have on your third pair, you know, especially if he's playing with, you know, an Oleo Levy who moves the puck pretty well as well. Like that line, that pairing doesn't have to get a ton of minutes, but yeah, I, I do think I agree with you and I'm sorry to cut you off about the Hamannick stuff. I just, no, no. I don't know. I'm on for Vatanen right now, but if Hamannick's available, under $1.5 million, which we, which is crazy to think like four months ago, but from what the deals like we've seen, like you mentioned, like Hamannick at 1.5 is, is something that I could see happening, right? Like a one year deal. And it's not, it's not even a bad deal. Like that's no, not, not a bad deal to take at all. Like you have the cap space to do it, go do it. And it's just, it sucks because yeah, like Drance has reported before that, you know, the Canucks aren't really looking to spend and you, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are kind of doing a similar thing. It's just the Canucks are in a bit of a unique situation where you'd like them to spend, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's such a complicated situation. But when I look at that third pairing, I'd like to see somebody other than Jordy Ben there. And, you know, I was talking about it with somebody and I was like, oh yeah, Hamannick's not a bad idea. But they're like, oh yeah, but then you're, you've got Ben and Hamannick. And no, you don't. Like there is no way Ben and Hamannick no, is going to no, be the pair. No, no. It's going to be, Hamannick's going to be replacing Ben. And then yes. you could theoretically bury Ben's salary in the minors and then dress him whenever you need him. Like this taxi squad is going to help a lot of teams with the salary cap. Like it's going to help a ton. And even... Back to the third string goalie thing, like the Canucks only have to pay Mikey DiPietro like seventy k a year if he's on the um, if he's on the taxi squad. You know how much better that sounds than paying a a goalie uh, like a, a journeyman goalie like nine hundred fifty thousand or whatever it is. Like yeah. it's going to be a one way deal. Nobody at this point, and if you get a guy off waivers, he's going to be on a one way deal. You're going to have to pay him the NHL salary. So. Like that, that makes sense why they'd want a rookie for strictly cost reasons. So, when we look at it from that perspective, like, yeah, burying Ben makes sense. Like, you could get some cap savings there, you get some actual cash savings, which is actually what's important here. Um, but then you, you have that rookie with a right handed guy, right? So, I don't know because then you're kind of just disqualifying Rafferty. Um, but I don't know, like he played the left side in college, who knows? Maybe maybe it's something we see, but again, it's just I, I don't really see that working out. It's just like to me, having Rathbone on the third pair is gonna be something that's inevitable. I don't know if we see it start the season, uh much like Louie on the second line, but I do think Rathbone is gonna show himself as somebody who Travis Green can not only trust, but somebody that he likes to go to. Because, man, like we talk about splitting up Nate Schmidt and Quinn Hughes. You put Jack Rathbone in that conversation, you have at 5-on-5 five five, at all times in the game, theoretically, you have an elite puck mover on the ice. Because Jack Rathbone is absolutely insane at getting the puck out of his own zone. He can skate it out. He's a tremendous skater. He has elite passing ability like he can absolutely launch the puck up the ice and man like it's just I, I can really see it I could really see a third pairing where Jack Rathbone somehow incorporated on it because like I said like just having an elite puck mover on the ice that's gonna help the Canucks so much in transition which is something they struggled with so much against Vegas yeah and I think like 
like I get why people when they record their podcasts, like they do it over Zoom. Like you and I don't. We do it a different way with just audio. But like I get why people record over Zoom because I've been nodding my head for the last like two minutes of you talking there because like I really think that the best way that Rathbone makes this team is if he's playing with a guy like Travis Hamannick. I don't think he's making the team playing with a guy like Jordy Ben over Olia Levy just because I think that Olia Levy fits the type of player that you would probably have to play with Ben. Like I think that you're kind of just like saying that, okay, this third pairing is going to just try and not give up some goals. But if you bring in Travis Hamannick, who's a guy who looks pretty solid on a third pairing, I think. I think if you bring him in as a third pairing guy, then you can start to say like, I wouldn't say like you're risking it so hard because I do think that Jack Rathbone, well, no, I guess you are. Like it's a little bit riskier situation. I think for me right now to play Jack Rathbone, who's never played a professional hockey game over a guy like Olya Levy, who's at least had a, a season and a half, or like, honestly, if you add out the games, it's kind of just like one AHL season, uh, and like actually got into an NHL action to see what the pace of play was like. Like, yeah. I do think that that's a little bit more risky going with Jack Rathbone, but at the same time, like we've seen a lot of defensemen transition flawlessly from the NCAA over into the professional league, specifically the NHL, if they're good enough. And Jack Rathbone seems like he's good enough. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see that either, but that's going to take a signing of a guy like Travis Hamannick because now looking at it, like looking at the third pairing, let, let's take Vatnin, let's take Hamannick off the off the books and just address it as we're going into training camp. This will be the last time we can see it before we actually see who's a pairing that looks like a third pairing on the first day of training camp or like the first week because we're going to start to see what pairings are starting to do and what they're coming together as. So like what's, what's your feel about it now going into – what we might see on opening night on that third pairing. I'll go with a bold take and say on opening night, we see Jordy Ben and Jack Rathbone, even though I'm totally incorrect. I think it's going to actually be Yolevi with ben. No, it's going to be Rafferty. Man, it's so difficult to choose. Like, it's so difficult to choose which one it's going to be. But you know what? I'll just say, actually, I guess I should say who I actually think it is. I'm going to go with Rafferty, but I have a gut feeling just a gut feeling that Jack Rathbone's going to come in, surprise a lot of people, and earn the trust of Travis really quickly. We'll see, though. I think, you know what, like, looking at the way that we've seen this offseason just kind of go and what we've heard from management, from coaching staff, like, that's a hot take to say that. Like, yeah, that's, that's a hot take. People, everybody, I think, in this market, not everyone, but a, a majority of the market, a majority of what we've heard from management would say that the third pairing on opening night is Olio Levy and Jordy Ben, right? Like that's what it, the feel is. That's the that's the money that's the money odds, the odd shark money bet uh right here. Like that's <laughs> that's what you would be putting your money on. Like Rafferty is getting you some cash if you're betting at all, with the odd shark odds. Like maybe we should check odd shark to see what the deal is on that. And yeah, we'll have an odd shark commercial coming up here in a sec. Maybe we're not. I just said their name like three times. Uh, I think but we anyways. should I think we should cut to break. <laughs> okay, yeah, good time to cut to break, but it is let me just close out with this. I do think yeah. that Rafferty is a great option in that spot. Something that he talked about when I talked to him just a couple weeks ago was that he wants to be able to kill penalties, right? Like that's something that he wants to be able to do and whatever the coaching staff wants him to do for this team to make the roster, like he's willing to do that. He killed penalties in college. When he went onto that team in Utica last year, like let's look at some of the players that were ahead of him, like Jalen Chatfield. He's going to kill penalties before Rafferty at the HL level. 
Ashton Sonder, he's going to be a guy that's been around there for a couple of years. They're going to play him in that spot. Like Ole Levy, they're going to play him in that spot. And then Rafferty sometimes slid in as the fourth guy, but there was other guys that they used at that level that they would just slide into the penalty kill. So they were saying like, we want Rafferty to be fresh at five on five. We want him to be able to go on the power play and be fresh. So we're not going to use him on our penalty kill. Like he could have been an option at the AHL level to kill penalties. He did it all through college. Like he said, I just think that it's like, I know it's like crazy to make the comparison, but you know, Brogan Rafferty to the a, to the Utica Comets last year was what Quinn Hughes was to the Vancouver Canucks. Like he put up a ridiculous amount of points. He was the first power play guy to go out there. He was the best at carrying the puck up the ice. He played in a similar role that Quinn Hughes did at the NHL level. If you're asking Rafferty to now move up to the NHL level and do something different, that's something that players just have to do. They have to adjust like that. It's like what we see with junior scorers that are just tearing up tearing it up in the CHL but can't do it at the NHL level, so they have to adjust their game to be able to be a successful NHL player. That's what Rafferty might have to do. And if he can kill penalties, if he does it at all at camp, I am putting him in with Penn and then putting a permanent marker over top of that. If we see him killing penalties at training camp, he's going to be on the opening night roster with Jordy Ben. Boom. I love the take. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. And before we go any further, just want to give a quick shout out to one of the sponsors of the Canucks Conversation, Mike's Heart Lemonade. And if you guys are looking for a zero sugar, zero carbs, and also 7% vodka drink, look no further than Mike's Harder Zero. They have three different flavors right now, lemon, lime, and cherry, with apparently more flavors just around the corner. Uh, so with zero sugar, zero carbs, natural flavors, and 7% vodka, this crisp vodka soda packs the perfect amount of juicy, tart flavor with a bit more vodka. So you only got to drink two of these to get drunk quads. That's exciting for you. Oddshark.com is your source for NHL odds, futures, picks, consensus, and scores. You can find all the latest information, all the latest sports books, and right now on their site, along with all the other wonderful editorial content they have, are the odds to win the 2021 IIHF World Junior Championship, which Chris and I were just talking about. Right now, Canada is the team to beat, with Russia close behind, and the US close behind them, and then there's quite a bit of a gap between Sweden. So if you're looking to make a bet, Chris and I are both going for Russia here. So if you want to put a little money on Russia, you might be able to get some return. So definitely go check out oddshark.com. All right, guys, and joining us now from the Edmonton bubble, Ray Ferraro, covering the World Juniors for who knows how many years it's been now. How are you doing, Ray? It's good. Actually, uh, this is 10 years. Wow. Um, 10 years uh, already, which is kind of crazy. Um, I got to say, I really enjoyed the um, the text message I got this morning from you. That was that was really nice, the uh, the kiss emojis and stuff that was sweet that was that was really good i'm like what the hell is this yeah well just, just something <laughs> fun to wake up to emoji, for you right <laughs> yeah i blame the girlfriend uh, for that one i might be sending too many of those to her uh, that's 
but I laughed. I'm like, whoops, he didn't mean to send that. That was good. Uh, yeah, well, that, you know, makes for a fun podcast story, I guess, in the end. Uh, and you mentioned it 10 years now, uh, going back to this tournament. Uh, is this one thing that just, like, on your calendar every single year, it's got to be one of the high points of you? Uh, it's the best best stuff I do all year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you okay, I'm, I'm talking in a regular year, because, like, who knows, right? Like, right. What, what the year's going to look like this year, or what the season's going to look like, but I, I just love this tournament. I've, I've always loved tournament hockey. You know, I'm, I, I kind of, I've always really been into it. Like when they used to have the Canada cups and things like that. I like the Olympic tournaments. I, um, I, I like the intensity of a tournament in a short span where all the games really matter. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff fires me up, um, to do this tournament, uh, to watch how hard these kids play, um, how much it means to them. Um, for many of them, it's the biggest games they'll ever play in their lives. And I, I think you see that in their in their efforts. And then they take their helmets off and you go, oh my God, they're a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> you know, and so I just, I love it. Yeah. I, it's a lot of work, you know, a lot of prep. Um, because generally speaking, you don't know three quarters of the players two weeks before the tournament. And yeah. then you, you know, you got to grind in and get into your, you know, for, for me, it's to get into the guys that I rely upon for scouting and to get some, a tidbit or two or three on most of the players. I mean, the, the top end guys, you know, but yeah. for the rest of the players, you, you want to find out something about them. So that's, I think that's the challenge, but also the fun of the tournament. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the big reasons why this tournament's so fun, it's something that I just kind of go back to every year. Like, these guys are coming in. They're obviously some of the best talented players at their age group for their countries. But also, like, there's not really, I guess, like a strict program put in by the coach on what the game plan is going to be, right? Like, it feels like it's a little bit of these guys kind of get to play a little bit looser. You know, mistakes will be made, but these guys are so ultra-skilled that it kind of just gives them the opportunity to show off that skill. Well, I I, I think, like, the better teams are, are able to put structure in because the players are better and they're able to to adjust a little bit for a lot of players um even in a regular year um they're relied upon more on this team or at this tournament maybe not in canada where the depth is so great but uh for you know for like some of the swedes who play in the men's league um and the Finns, they they get to be the number one power play. They get to be the relied upon offensive guy. They get to be the big minute defenseman, which they just aren't on their teams because they're playing with guys that are 27 years old. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a really cool thing to see how good these kids get at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And then for, you know, the rest of the year, the rest of my gig, I, I have a book on hundreds of players every year. Yeah. So when they get to the NHL, I have a general idea what they were and what I project them to be. And it's not always right. Like you, sometimes you project a player and, you know, you think he's going to be this, like, a, you know, we're in Vancouver. Like I, I never saw the offense for Bull Horvat. Mm-hmm. When I watched him as a, as a 19 year old, I was like, man, this guy is going to be, a, you know, a third line center. He's going to be, you know, awesome at what he does. He's going to be good at killing penalties. He's going to be a, an excellent face-off guy is going to be a matchup center. And I just didn't see his skating improving like it did and the offense coming. Mm-hmm. And that's development. Development is not perfect. It's not in a straight line. And guys like Horvat can be among the guys that surprise you. 
Absolutely, and to stick with guys that are projected as third-line players, a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans uh, going into this tournament, seeing what the Silly Pod Colson did overseas, were kind of projecting that as the high end for him. Uh, but over these past couple games, he's looked incredible. I've been following him, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. to watch those KHL games, and, and all season long, this has been the moment that we've been waiting to see from Vasily Podkolzin. First two games, a little bit quiet for him, but what have you liked from him so far in this tournament now? Well, I, I think, okay, so Podkolzin's probably a pretty good example of those guys that don't get to play a lot or get to play in a in a role that they might be used to playing with their club teams. Mm-hmm. And so the minutes go wildly up and down for them. The opportunity offensively goes up and down for him. Uh, I view put Colson as a middle six player, um, more to the you know to the your second line than your third. Um, I think he's going to create some offense with his uh, incredible determination, his um, his board work, his passing skills. I just don't know if he's going to score a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I see. NHL finish on him, mm-hmm. and you know we're going to find out shortly enough. Um, but there, for those that are worried or were wondering or questioning, gee, is he an NHL player? I mean, there's zero question yeah. he's an NHL player. You know, he'll determine at what level he's able to produce at. But I, I picture him playing um, with a good centerman, um, you know, with, on a good line where he's part of the mix. Like he's he's part of the He's part of the driving the offense. He's, he's going to be able to forecheck well. When he doesn't have the puck, he works like a fiend to get it back. He makes really nice passes. Like he's a he's got some vision. He doesn't just get to the front of the net and bury his head and pull his way in um, to the front of the net. That's that's not his game. He's he's always got his head up. He's always kind of surveying the scene. I I like him a lot. I I'm I'm really happy that I've gotten to watch him in three tournaments and watch how he's grown from tournament to tournament to tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And the playmaking that you mentioned, I think that's been the thing that stuck out. I know that there was a replay that you and Gord kind of broke down where he made four incredible passes on one shift within 30 seconds in the offensive zone. Do you think that that's something that maybe is shocking people a little bit, is just his vision and playmaking ability? Well, okay, here's what I I would say to that. When people are shocked by something, it's because they've established – their own view of what this player is going to be, whether it's put goals in or somebody else, yet they've never seen him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they're reading somebody else's scouting report or they're reading somebody else's report on somebody else's report, mm. but you don't know. That's, that's why like, you know, like I, I'm really hesitant until I see a player with my own eyes to make my own evaluation. When we get near the draft, and everybody says, you know, what do you think of that Canucks third round pick? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, I saw I saw him once. You know, it could have been the best game of his year or the worst game. How can you make an evaluation like that? So people are surprised when they they see a player step out at at this tournament. Now, what's going to be really cool is as the games become better and more. Uh, more important, like, you know, as we're taping this, um, Russia plays Germany in the quarterfinals tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would suspect that that Russia will win, um, and then, you know, they get into the semis, is to watch how the players play in those games, yeah. right? You get a, a better evaluation. Um, like, there's, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say how many, because I'm going to miss some, but there are NHL-ready players 
in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, they could leave this tournament and become an NHL player. It would just depend on what team they're going to and what their role will be. Like, Dylan Cousins from Canada, he's an NHL-ready player. Right. Like, I have no question. Bowen Byram, same thing. Problem is, Byram's going to walk into a logjam in Colorado and they got to figure out how to move all those left-handed defensemen around because they're they're all young and they're all good. But those two, for example, are NHL-ready. But Colson could play now probably in a, in a third-line role. But even if he was your fourth-line left winger and he's killing penalties for you and playing eight to ten minutes a game and then in, in two months he's playing 13 minutes a game, like what's wrong with that? Absolutely. But he could, he could do it. What, what do you think about the situation with Pod Colson and the KHL bouncing around? I mean, there, that's probably a reason why he slipped to maybe 10th in the draft. But is that just something that's kind of like almost established in hockey circles that that's just going to be what it's like in the KHL, specifically with that team that he's playing for in the in the KHL with Scott? I mean, that's an organization that likes to lean on their veterans, it seems like. Well, m- most of them like to lean on their veterans because, you know, I, I, think, I think we probably forget because we, you know, we only view – you know the NHL as a as the NA, you know as as the best of course right. but uh, the best league but that's a business there those coaches are in there getting fired and hired mm-hmm. a lot and a lot more frequently than they do here so it's not developmental to them it's winning to them the NHL's not a developmental league you know you you're expected to be there and be able to produce and that's why you see so very few young players get an opportunity now that might change with what their cap number can be and, you know, that whole other discussion. But um, it's impossible for those players in Russia um, to break through. There's really nowhere for them to break through with. Mm. There's also so many players. I've had more than one GM say to me, it's it's really hard to get a handle on some of the players in Russia, the, you know, maybe not the top end guys, but because there's so many and they don't get an opportunity. Yeah. There's... There's players on this Russian team, like, for example, there's a, a forward that I'm sure nobody's really watching much, uh, uh, Zakhar Bartikov, he's mm-hmm. number 11. That guy's an NHL prospect. <laughs> he's not drafted. He's been through the draft twice. Wow. But he's, I, I'm telling you, that, that he's 6'1", he's 198 pounds, he's a beast, he can skate, he can forecheck, he kills penalties. I'm like, uh, that guy should attract some interest. So I checked in with a couple of guys, and they're... And they're like, yeah, the problem, I said, how does he not get drafted? And they said, well, the problem is there's so many players, and maybe in his 16- and 17-year-old year, he didn't play very much. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, and, and that sort of explains why players slip through the cracks, right? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely, specifically in Russia, right? I mean, that with the situation they have with the MHL, VHL, and KHL, I mean, it's really hard for these guys to get games if they're skilled enough to be on a KHL team but almost too skilled to be on an MHL team or a VHL team, right? Like those leagues where they'll actually get playing time, they might just be too good for that. And that, I think, puts them in a situation to slip through the cracks. Well, you would know because you follow closely, but when you look at some of these guys' uh, stat lines for the year, and they've got 14 games here, 7 games here, 19 games there, and you're like, man, they... How do they even know all their teammates' names? <laughs> like, they're it's, all over the place. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and to, to kind of close out on Russia here, um, Igor Larionov, first time coaching this World Junior team, a very different coach um, from Valerie Bragan, who's been the World Junior coach in the past. What have you thought of him so far this tournament? Well, I, I've got to start by saying Igor is among the most interesting people I've ever met. Hmm. Um, when I when I get to talk to him and I get to have a, 
a coffee with him or a glass of wine or something, man, he's just so interesting. Hmm. He sees things um, in such a big picture way. I mean, the way he grew up from the old uh, Soviet system and basically, you know, standing up to it, yeah. uh, coming to North America at the age he did, winning the Stanley Cups he did. He's won the Olympics and, man, he's done everything. I look, I look at him behind the bench and I'm like, he is. he's connected to the player of today by the way that he coaches. Hmm. there's not a lot of yelling, there's a lot of instruction, there's a lot of encouragement. Um, the mind to adjust is, I mean, you see they make adjustments all the time in the way that they play. They, I think they started playing uh, in this tournament a game that was really reminiscent of how Igor used to play. Right. But the puck stayed on the outside all the time. Then all of a sudden they're kind of driving into the middle a little more. Hmm. I mean, they just made an adjustment. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Igor is, you know, he's 60 years old. He doesn't look 60. He doesn't act 60. Um, we asked him before the tournament who his favorite, you know, like his favorite coaches were. And he said, you know, with Scotty Bowman in Detroit, he said, I felt like I was sitting in the front row of a classroom with a professor. Wow. And he's a huge soccer fan, um, big Liverpool fan. And uh, so he's studied and gone to Liverpool um uh, to to learn from Jurgen Klopp, yeah, and he loves the way that Greg Popovich manages his bench. So just think of that. That's three different sports, and he's taken something from all of them. Wow! And he told me, and I I just love this. He said, "You're never too old to learn." Yeah, and I'm like, man, that's because that's not always the case, right? That's that's not always the case. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like it seems like the professor is also a student, from what you've been saying there. <laughs> Pardon me. Sounds like the professor is also a student, from what you said. There. Oh, yeah. He he is a smart, um, very quietly competitive. Like you're not going to see him throwing a water bottle or walking on the boards like Valeri Bragan does. <laughs> yeah, like, Bragan is a super competitive guy. Who you know you could tell mm-hmm. with Igor, he keeps everything tight to the vest. But don't don't let that fool you. Absolutely. One of the things that I thought's been kind of funny uh, on the broadcast with you and Gord. Uh, has been talking about some of the books that uh, potentially have been influenced by a guy like Larry Onoff that these Russians are reading. Well, man, these guys are, they're not reading, you know, Cat in the Hat here. <laughs> you know, like they're they're reading, you know, Dostoevsky and, um, you know, one of the players brought seven novels. Wow. And, I mean, I, I played with guys that didn't read seven novels in their career. <laughs> and And it's like, it's really interesting that, you know, that he's trying to promote, um, uh, an inclusive, um, uh, a learning culture, uh, a more open culture. Because you know we're not really very far away from a system that they lived in that was incredibly restrictive. Mm. You know, it may seem a lot like a long time ago, ancient history to to a twenty year old, right? But it's really not. Yeah. And so those those people that lived in those systems, their parents, so their kids or watching their parents struggle and try to learn a more open society. And that goes to the way that they're coached, too. Like, some teams are still coached, like, they're on the ice twice a day for three hours a day. Like, what the hell do you do for all that time? No, absolutely. But it is like, it is the old system, and so Igor's to break the mold a little bit, and I hope he does well. I really do. I'm I'm an enormous, enormous Igor Larionov fan. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people have become fans of him, uh, specifically in this market, because he's been, you know, a huge backer of the Silly Pod Coles and then just loving the way he plays and, you know, making him the captain of Russia seemed like another another trait that maybe Larionov recognized in Pod Coles and that maybe Valerie Bregan doesn't really see, I guess. And specifically, well, yeah, like, but, see, it, but it's, you're not going to be the captain as an 18-year-old. True, true. That, that's not going to, you know, so whether put, or um, whether Bragan saw Pod Coles in as a leader or not, um, it, it's hard to say because they're not, you know, they're not the same age. Like mm-hmm. the, as a 19 year old, it's clear on this team that put Colson is their leader. Yeah. Like that's, that's very clear. Yeah. But at 18, he was one of their better players, mm-hmm. but he might not have been their leader because they had a 19 year old that was a bigger personality. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, it checks out. I mean, it's just, I guess the way that, um, and we won't, we won't get into it too much, but I guess the way that Valerie Bragan has Pod Colson playing, like, I feel like in the KHL, if Larionov is his coach over there, maybe some people aren't so down on Pod Colson because I think he uses them in a different way. Well, okay, but so here's something else to remember, too, as we're just talking about the KHL. The pressure on mm. those coaches is, I don't think we can understand it here because they they're getting... The president of that team, uh, of any team, is so involved. The coach is spending as much time coaching his team as he is trying to satisfy the president. Yeah. And so if the president says, hey, you know, we're only 3-2-2 two, and two in our last seven games, you better start winning or making a coaching change. You're not playing a young guy. <laughs> That's true. You know what? That's a that's a really good thing for Canucks fans who are listening to this to take away from the situation. I think with Pod Colson, uh, we... I think that's got a lot to do with the way Pod Col- I don't think it's that Pod Colson's not thought of as a um, an excellent prospect or right. a high end player. I think I think he's stuck in the what I'll call the Russian game, and that yeah. is, man, you that team has to win, yeah. and unfortunately, you're just you're a small part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right with that. Let's let's shift to Canada a little bit because I know a lot of uh, a lot of Canucks fans, if they're not cheering for Sweden and Russia at this tournament, obviously they're cheering for Canada. Um, I, I kind of want to start with the goaltending. I think that was the big question going into this tournament. Uh, but what have you thought about a guy like Devin Levi throughout this tournament, or potentially another goaltender that you might have seen? Never had seen him before. Super impressed. Mm-hmm. Like I, what I think I'm most impressed about is when you see a goaltender that's six foot. My first, um, maybe slightly biased uh, thought is he must be really fast and he must move all over the net, you know, like covering the net. He is he is really fast, but man, he's super calm. He hangs on his position really well. He stays up on his feet more than lots of goaltenders do. He controls rebounds with as good as anybody in this tournament. Yeah. I've been really super impressed with with the way uh, Devin Levi's taken the net and not given anybody else an opportunity to even try and get in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great to see him do that because, like you mentioned, a guy who comes from, you know, a not really, you know, a, a top major junior league, to have him start over guys that are coming out of the WHL, I think it probably shocked a lot of Canadians going into this tournament, right? Oh, yeah, for sure it did because they're <laughs> – you know, like the goaltending in this group, this age group has has not been. Um, you know, there's not a standalone guy, and really the last standalone start to finish guy I remember is Carter Hart mm. in this tournament. And um, 
you know, last year it was, um, they started with Nico Dawes, and he played a couple of games and then was okay, and then they went to Joel Hofer, and he just, I mean, they didn't really know what they had in Hofer. What they ended up with was a goalie with a 930 save percentage who won the best goalie in the tournament. Yeah. So that's great coaching, right? Or, Or the guy just, you know, the guy was better than they thought. And I think that's, with all due respect to the other guys, I think that's probably what's happened here is that, you know, they've gotten into this and gone, wait a minute, um, he's better than we thought. Yeah. No, I agree. And Levi's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I've loved what he's been able to do with Canada. It's going to be interesting to see some more challenging things coming up for him in the future because you really, you haven't really seen that from Canada. I was expecting... No, 100%. You know, he's going to get, he's going to run into shooters and situations that he's not had to deal with yet Mm -hmm. and um but he's handled everything so far yeah exactly ray one of the uh one of the fun things that i used to love from the former podcast that you were on was was saying connections between nhl players and i love the the way that you guys used to go down the road there um before we get to bowen byram um recently we just had him on the radio scott niedemeyer to talk about him also a cranbrook guy um i'm curious what I want to go down that path a little bit that you used to do in the podcast. What was uh, some connections you might have with Scott Niedemeyer? Well, I, um, I was, God, I don't even know how old Scott would be, but, um, I was teaching at the Okanagan hockey school in the summers when I had turned pro. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, a I go up for three weeks. I teach and kind of have a holiday. Once you're finished, you're in Penticton. It's beautiful, right? In the summer. And Scott and Rob were at, the hockey school they were six and eight <laughs> and um I, I remember people saying oh you got to see these these niedermeyer kids from cranbrook man are they good yeah you know because you see you know you're on the ice with 100 kids a day and they stood out like scott in particular was like are you kidding me he's like he's the best skater out here by a mile and that was when he was a little kid yeah and so I always remember kind of keeping an eye on him and wondering, hey, I wonder where he is. Oh, he's in Kamloops. Oh, they won the Memorial Cup. Oh, he's on the World Junior Team. Oh, here he is. Now I'm playing against him. And just um, just a unbelievable player. He made he had a little Nick Lidstrom in him mm-hmm. um, that it never looked like they were really trying very hard because they both skated so efficiently. Like they never they never really got out of position. They never really looked like they were in a rush. You know, like they just, yeah. the game was just, I don't know. It, it, it probably, they'll, t- they'll probably tell you it's not easy, but it, they sure made it look easy. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, I agree with you. And the thing that we had him on was to speak on a fellow Cranbrook uh, guy in Bowen Byram, who obviously Vancouver Canucks fans and Vancouver hockey fans will know from being a giant. Uh, what have you thought about him coming into this tournament? Because I think a lot of people did have high expectations from him, just from what he was able to jump in and do last year late in the tournament. But do you think that he's been one of the most impressive defensemen throughout? I mean, up there with the Brobergs and the Soderstroms that we've seen so far? Yes, but he. I think there's another gear here for mm. Bowen. Uh, again, I think the Canadians have played you know as well as they've had to play. Yeah. Yet they played that game against the Finns on New Year's Eve. Like the first forty minutes were perfect. Oh, yeah. The Finns couldn't even breathe. And what I think I'm most impressed when I watch Byram this year, as opposed to last, is just the way that he defends his coverage on the ice defensively. Um, how efficiently he takes the body, and then when he takes the body, he doesn't take himself out of the play. He can rub somebody out of the play and then move the puck immediately. Mm -hmm. 
out of that check. And I, I'm really impressed. That's an NHL skill. Yeah. When the puck gets dumped down to his corner, he's so quick getting back there, but he reads the play well, and he's, he's, out, of the, he's out of the corner, out of the tight spot in a hurry. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm really yeah. impressed with him. I wanted to see him play because like I got a chance to watch him a lot last year at the Langley Event Center with the Giants, and like it felt like he wasn't trying at the WHL. Like he didn't have to really give 100 percent to still be the best player on the ice. And what you mentioned there, as this tournament goes on, like I I want to see 100 percent Bowen Byram because I just think he's going to be so impressive. Well, the you know I mean the, this is the thing with the scouts; they want the players to be. Uh, and teams, before they acquire a player, they want them to be tested. They want them to yep. be challenged. They want to see how they react to this challenge. And, you know, I hear you on Byram. Um, he, he'll get challenged before this is out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I said yesterday in the show, he's 21 minutes a game, but as this thing goes along, I think he, you might see him creep up a, a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, Ray, but I'd love to get uh, your opinions on a guy who's – uh, you know, caught a lot of attention here in Vancouver. I was trying to tell people before because I watch him in the SHL, and he is an absolute rat in the SHL, and I wasn't really sure if he was going to be able to get away with so much uh, at this tournament. But Arvid Kosmar has, you know, the fact that he's wearing number 14, he's getting Burroughs comparisons, probably a little early for all that. Uh, but Canucks fans love to see what he was kind of doing, messing with those Russians. Like, I felt like he was one of the more impactful players for Sweden in that big matchup between Sweden and Russia. What have you liked about him? Because I feel like this tournament, he's just gotten better throughout. Yeah, he's uh, he's played a bigger role than um, than I was told he was going to play. Um, he's been more impactful. He he is a little rat. <laughs> like he's um, and you know, I, people sometimes get all fired up when you use a word or whatever. Yeah. But you know, like I say that, like when I say somebody has puck arrogance, people get offended. <laughs> like I I think that's the most complimentary term I can give them. <laughs> yeah. And I say he's a rat because I felt like there were times like that's how I played. Yeah, yeah. And like when you're not big, you've got to find a way to make yourself get in the middle of the play or you get pushed out of it. Mm -hmm. He does not get pushed out of it. The only only thing I wonder is if his foot speed is good enough. Right. Like, and I don't know because I've seen him three times. Yeah. But I was super impressed with his game against Russia wasn't so much uh, against the United States, but that can go blanket across the team. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, like the team did, did not play very well, and, and they got pushed out of that game in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in him. For a seventh-round pick, I'm, I'm interested. Like, I, I like what I've seen. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think I think he's caught a lot of attention from some of the antics that he's done on the ice. But I mean, he you know, he's putting up goals as well. He scored the first goal for Sweden in this tournament, scored against the Russians. I'm excited to see how he goes throughout this tournament as it goes on here. Well, um, we'll see how they play tomorrow because they've got the Finns and that'll always be a tough game. Right. Um, I think the Swedes will win and then you'll get to see them, you know, in that semis where, you know, every puck battle and every inch becomes you know, more and more critical. Yeah, I was curious if he was going to be a little bit of a rat because you know how this tournament is. I mean, anything after the whistle, you, you touch a guy's face with your glove, you're kind of going to the box, it seems like, at times. So I was, I was wondering, like, how much he was going to be able to get away with. But, like, low-key, he's done a pretty good job of pissing a lot of guys off. Yeah, he has. He is, um, he, you know, I think he's got a couple of minors uh, in the tournament. Mm-hmm. What is it? No, actually, only one. Actually, I just pulled up his numbers here. Um, he just has uh, the one penalty. Um, in the tournament, mm-hmm. but he's in the mass a lot. Yeah, and and I like it. 
Um, I think it's been a really, really good tournament for him. Um, and I, I would say even, you know, they, the Canucks draft him um, in 2019. They pick him in the seventh round. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how teams look at their seventh round picks. Generally speaking, they're, they're kind of like a shot in the dark. Yeah. And if, if you can steal a player in round six or seven, you know, I mean, that's found money. Like, on this team, there's a, you know, so I'm talking about Cosmer, who's, who's not very big. And they got this guy who's an absolute giant, oh. Elmer Soderblom. Oh, God. Yeah. Man, the guy's 6'7". So he's 19. <laughs> yeah. 19 years old. He's 6'7". He's 225 pounds. And I really like him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, but he's a sixth-round pick. Right. And so like, everybody, what I talked earlier about development and how everybody wants the development to go step by step by step by step, you know, always in an upward pattern. It doesn't go like that. So just think if you're... 17, 18 years old, and you're six foot seven. I would assume coordination is not quite there. <laughs> yeah, true. Right? You've grown too fast. And now you got to catch up. And it seems like the parts are starting to fit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if Detroit ends up with a player here oh. in the sixth round at that size, oh, that's a win. Yeah, Detroit loves those late round Swedish picks for sure. <laughs> yeah, they seem to work for them. They've <laughs> yeah. done well with them. Absolutely. And uh, I guess I just wanted to close out with um, asking you how the podcast is coming because. Uh, like honestly, Ray, like I saw you guys when you started the podcast, you guys weren't really, uh, like up at the tops of the charts, but now you guys are, you guys are sitting in that top three part in Canada. Now I really think you guys have, I don't know if you've changed some things and kind of just made it into a different direction, but I've loved that you guys brought on some guests, uh, and just upgraded the podcast a ton since you guys have started. Like what's kind of the goals with you and Dragger, uh, moving into 2021 with the podcast now? Well, you're, you're right in that, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, when we started, I mean, we didn't know what we were, you know, like <laughs> yeah. when you start a podcast, you don't, you don't know how to make it work. You don't know which guests are best or how to interview together. It's, it's way easier interviewing somebody one-on-one, but since there's two of us, you know, we've got to figure out how do we make that work and mm-hmm. how do we, how do we, you know, not us get talking and then the guest who, <laughs> who's the most important to get ends up sitting listening to us. He yeah. doesn't want to do that. <laughs> and so we've done, we've done a lot, um, you know, uh, of changed, um, maybe in our mindset. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're certainly, you know, our goal is to grow it this year. We've, I think we'll expand on not just the way we do things, but on the topics we cover. Um, it won't just be hockey, 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 and, you know, and, and in deep into the, you know, in the minutia of the game, although there'll be lots of that too. Yeah. So I think, I think we'll, our goal is to expand it and to make it as interesting to as many people as possible. And, um, and you know, that's, that's certainly the trajectory we're on and we, we hope to continue to be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's been cool to see you guys jump up the charts and have that much success because like, yeah, thank you. You know, two, two as of the you top know it's fun, right? You wouldn't do it if you, if it wasn't fun for you, Yeah, you wouldn't do it. No, exactly. I mean, that's what we have a blast putting out this show every single week. And, uh, I'm in a similar situation. That's why I kicked my co-host David Quadrelli off of this one. Just, uh, I wanted to get you one-on-one. 
So he got the punt, did he? Oh yeah, absolutely. Every chance I get, I'm kicking him off the pod. That's for sure. <laughs> See, that's good though. If you've got if you've got the hookup, then he's you know he's got to he's got to be on your whim, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. He's on this he's on this thing right now where all he wants to do is talk about goalies, and I'm just tired of it. Like I'm just ignoring the text that he's sending me about you know rebounds from Askarov or why isn't Blumquist playing for Finland? I'm just tired of it. So I gotta give well, him a little I, bit of break. I got news for you. I don't know why Blumquist isn't playing either, but their goaltending hasn't been the problem. Right. Yeah, no, I you know, like I, I have no idea why he's not playing, but um, like I thought he would have had a start at least, but mm-hmm. no, they haven't, they haven't, and so he just kind of sits there, and I, I'm surprised. Well, as you bring up Blumquist, that's the time where I'd like to shut down the interview because I'm tired of talking yep, about him, right? Perfect, <laughs> we're good. Awesome. Well, appreciate you doing this, and uh, keep up the great work, everybody in Canada that's watching these games, and, and across the world. It's cool seeing uh, these other fans from other countries watching as well. They've, you know, I think I speak for all of Canada saying we love having you back on the air with Gord, and uh, and just glad that this tournament's been able to get back off to a to a, a decent start so far. And I'd say a great start, to be honest, because Canada kind of needed this, uh, you know, in the year that we've had in 2020. So I think for all of Canada, we want to say thanks, Ray. You've got, you guys have done a great job so far. Well, thanks. It's, uh, it's super fun to do, as I said earlier. And uh, the one thing I would say for those that, you know, still say, oh, this tournament only matters in Canada. Last year, 36 million Russians watched the gold medal game. Wow. 36 million. Incredible. So it's... Um, the tournament continues to grow, and uh, we continue to love doing it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Love it every time you hop on with us, Ray. Appreciate it. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Awesome. Thank you, and uh, Happy New Year to, to you and all your, your followers and listeners, and uh, hope uh, 2021 is better for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. we still got to take you out to the Italian joint in Burnaby. That, we can do that. <laughs> we can do that, I'm telling you. Absolutely. We'll so, talk. As soon as we can get there. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, Ray. We'll take you out soon. Have a good one. Take care. Christmas time is here, and that means that we have some special beer. That's right, the folks at Parallel 49 Brewing have decided to drop an absolute banger this December. They are coming out with the Jelly Donut Ale. You're going to have to go out and try this one. It sounds like a wild beer, and that's what Parallel 49 is known for. So be sure to follow them on all of their social medias and on Facebook as well. Instagram, they like to keep a fresh story update there coming out every single day. And if you guys are drinking Parallel, be sure sure to tag them on instagram in your story as well so be sure to follow them at parallel 49 beer on all your social medias and we will be out there trying the jelly donut beer with you and a huge thank you to all of our sponsors of the canucks conversation podcast chris we have some stuff to talk about and one of those big things is the forward group because we've exhausted ourselves with the goaltending and the defense talk so i guess we're just working our way out from the blue paint let's talk about the forward group because We briefly touched on it, but man, who are you most excited to see in camp? Because for me, it's Hoglander. I'm most intrigued to see Jake Vertanen because I'm very curious how this offseason really went. Uh, Maybe he was catfishing us on Instagram, but uh, (laughs) regardless, um, I'm really excited to see Hoglander. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see Hoglander, of course. I'm... Like, just getting to see hockey again. Like, getting to see Elias Patterson and JT Miller skate together is going to be excellent. Like, and just seeing whoever's with him, I think, is going to be the big thing that's going to 
that I'm going to be following for sure. Like, mm-hmm. is it going to be Brock Besser? Are they going to go back to the lotto line? That was one of the best lines in the NHL. Yep. Um, scored at a two to one rate. Like that's, that's a line that you want to have on the ice as much as possible. And something that you've been on for a long time is play that line in a matchup role against the other team's top line. Like play that against Austin Matthews, yep. play that against Connor McDavid, play that against, who's it? Tim Stutzel for Ottawa. Like, is he going to be the first line? Guy? <laughs> like, you know, like play them against the first lines in the Canadian division. And I think you stack up pretty well against, against a lot of them. Like, I think that Elias Patterson and JT Miller's two way game stacks up against any line in the Canadian division that you're going to play against specifically from the ability to score goals and also defend goals. Like, I do think that that's one of the best lines in the NHL at times. And if you look at the Canadian division, as a first line that scores goals and also defends against scoring goals, I think you win that matchup. Like, I don't know, think like maybe the Connor McDavid line gives them, gives them a pretty good chance. Like I would probably have to bet that Connor McDavid against Elias Pettersson, like McDavid's going to get his, like he's going to score a lot of goals, right? Like that line's going to score, but that, that also opens up a lot more chances for Elias Pettersson to score goals too. So like, I don't really see another line that really overpowers the Elias Pettersson, JT Miller line, specifically if you have Brock Besser there as well. Man, I was thinking about that like more and more because I was just thinking of how we ended the season, right? And like, you know, there was that last home game against the New York Islanders. uh, And yeah, like Pettersson was in a matchup role. And then what did we see in the bubble? Same thing. Like we saw glimpses of it. So it's like, man, assuming he's going to take another step, and, you know, I think you and I both think he will. I, I I think it's time. Like, I think it's time that the Canucks really let him go in that role. Because on the other side of that coin, Chris, is when you take Bull Horvat from that crappy role that he's in with two, oh. you know, I don't want to call Tanner Pearson a dead end offensively. He's not. But, you know, you know what I mean? 20 with goal not, scorer, bud. 20 goals. Totally. But not great line mates regardless, right? When, when you give Bo Horvat that... Okay, okay. Sorry. Let me rephrase this. If you put Bo Horvat, give him soft matchups with Tanner Pearson on his wing, we're going to see Ooh, more baby. of what we saw against St. Louis. And that was like the yep. double bow drag goal. Like, this guy, if, he, if you let him, if you take the shackles off and he is not in defensive role, he is going to really shock a lot of people. And he's going to give them that really big one-two punch and some actual scoring threat from somebody other than the first line. Like, it's it's going to be massive, Chris, if they can use Bo Horvat in a lesser role. And, like, he can just kind of play normally and he can feast off some soft minutes every once in a while like he did against St. Louis like you're gonna see more of what you saw there like that that didn't just happen that was because he wasn't hard matched against Ryan O'Reilly anymore and it's like man like you don't have to play Ryan O'Reilly every night either like I get that he was a monster and even Patterson couldn't really handle him as much but like you put Hughes on him and for those that think Hughes can't play defense just quiet down and go watch the St. Louis series again. But man, like I just, I'm thinking about when I say like, yeah, I'd like to see Patterson in a matchup role, just going toe to toe with the, with the top lines. Cause like you said, you had me cracking up with that Stutzle line, by the way, by saying that he's the top <laughs> center. Cause I think you might be right. Um, you know, can I, can I quickly shift? Cause you just mentioned something there that I just want to get your opinion on because absolutely. I, I know like I wouldn't ask you a yes or no question this, but I wonder how much more of a Calder chance does Quinn Hughes have now that he's playing against so many Eastern teams? Like, I know that he has more of a chance. Now that all these teams in the East are going to get a chance to see him and all these writers in the East are going to get a chance to see him, like, they're going to be able to 
uh, like see him actually get more time, more chances to play against some of the best players in the world. And then these guys don't have to stay up till 10 o'clock to watch him play. So I need to like, no, like I do like, I think that there's a way higher chance of Quinn Hughes having more votes for the Calder this year and probably, or sorry, not the Calder. Uh, I'm talking <laughs> about the say. Norris. Did I say Calder? Yeah. No, I'm talking about the Norris here. Um, I just think that like his chances of that trophy now, I don't think it's high, but I do think he gets a lot more eyes on him now that he's playing in so many Eastern teams. Like how many more votes do you think he gets this year? More. I think he gets more. And I think the only way he gets Calder votes is if uh, you and I get a ballot and we do a write-in ballot. <laughs> um, Sorry, no, I, was, like... uh, I, was tr- I was trying to go on there and my mom just brought me in some, some a plate of cake. Ooh. Uh, from, from the New Year's thing that's going on here. So, wow, fantastic. Um, yeah, that's nice, nice little finish to the podcast here, and I zoned out for a second. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. But no, to answer your question, Chris, like I, I, I don't want to put a number on it, but I, it doesn't hurt his Norris chances that he's now playing uh, against some Eastern Conference teams more often. Like Toronto has a lot of writers and a lot of voters, dude, and they're yeah. going to get to see him. And it's interesting because, holy cow, like we talk about like, there's more markets in these states. We understand that. There's, you know, there's a lot of voters in the states. But now, with this kind of, with this Canadian division and all the, all the divisions are kind of segregated from each other. Are you gonna watch any? Like, what? I don't even know the other divisions' names, dude. And I like write about <laughs> the sport. Like, I don't even remember. Is what is it like? Eastern division? Like, what are they called? I think it's just Eastern. East, Central, and West, right? Are you sure? Because that would make sense. And I could have guessed that, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I could okay. be wrong. No, I, it sounds I think, right. No, I think I'm right. Yeah. That sounds right. Sounds about right. But yeah, like, man, I couldn't recite to you the divisions that everybody's in off the top of my head. I can tell you who the Canucks no, yeah. division is in. But, like, how much attention are you going to pay to the other divisions? Because I don't think I'm going to pay a ton of attention. I'll, I mean, yeah. I'll definitely go out and watch some games, like, like I do, you know, you have to have that due diligence, but man, like even for people who don't write about the sport, like it's our job. So yeah, we're going to watch some games, but you know, for people that are just living in Canada and don't have NHL TV or whatever, like is CBC and Sportsnet, are they going to pick up games in the States? Like, are they even going to air those? I doubt it. And you're like, yeah, you won't see, you know, like back when, like I'm, I'm thinking back to like Saturday night Canucks and Boston Bruins. Like I, I can, almost confidently say like there's a good chance I don't see a Columbus Blue Jackets game all year long like I'm pretty confident I won't see a Columbus Blue Jackets game all year long I will because I want to watch Elvis and okay. Corpy <laughs> freaking goalies okay but like looking at it like if we had this division last year Quinn Hughes is your 2019 20 call the champion <laughs> not even he's close. Tro- call the yeah. trophy winner absolutely because yeah, like, he's you know, he's getting more time and he's getting more eyes playing in those guys. Like, yeah, well, I don't know. Okay. That, well, now we're a little, we're going to the Fugazi. Is that what the Italians say? Is that an Italian thing? No, no Italians say that. That's something that people Fugazi, think we say. Fugazi. Is that, is that, uh, I hope that's not a bad word, right? It's not a bad uh, word. No, I don't think so. Not that uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Like, I don't even know if it's a layup though, dude. Cause like, like I just said, like there's a lot of markets in the States and <laughs> Are, they just wouldn't watch the Canadian division. They wouldn't it's watch true, the North yeah. division. It's kind of like how we are. We're like, we're like, oh yeah, we're probably gonna watch one Columbus game or whatever, right? Like, you know, it, it's interesting because it's like, is this what it's like to be a writer from another market that just doesn't pay attention to <laughs> Vancouver? Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's possible. Like, this division really does it. Because, like, normally you'd get two games, right? Like, you would at least get to see every team twice. Like, no matter yep. what, you got to see two games of them. You could form somewhat of an opinion on what Pierre-Luc Dubois does with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, you would at least be able to form somewhat of an opinion. Either he, he had a good game or a bad game, but you still get to see him twice. You can form an opinion. Like, what am I supposed to say about Alex, <laughs> Alexi Lafreniere? Like, am I even going to see... Like, I'm going to see highlights, of course... But I'm not going to see what he's doing between the goals and assists that he's putting up. Like, I'm just not. Like, I I know that I'm not. I'm going to be too busy watching the Canucks play every second day. Yeah, like, all we're going to see is highlights. Like, we're just going to watch highlights. Right. Yeah. Unless you yeah, actively go seek it. Like, that's the thing. Unless, <laughs> you're going to have yeah. to actively go seek it. Maybe we'll see an NBC game on, like, Saturday morning or something. Like, right. who knows, right? It's just... Man, yeah, this is this is gonna be an interesting season, and I am well, very do you think here that, for it. Like, here's here's another way to look at it. Like, TSN does like the Wednesday night hockey, right? Like, they'll they'll have to air American games at some point, no. or you know, like Hockey Night in Canada. Let's say a lot of these teams are over on the West, and they're doing this Hockey Day in Canada thing. Like, are they gonna air a game that's playing at noon on a Sunday that's two American teams? And, like, just give us a feed? Like, yeah, like, I don't know. We haven't really talked about the divisions too much on the podcast, to be honest. Like, we haven't discussed this at all. And it kind of sounds like we're not going to have time to either. I know. Well, we, let's get back to the Canucks. This is Canucks conversation. Let's get back to the forward group. Um, here's the one thing that I wanted to talk about, because you mentioned, like, which players I want to keep my eye on. The It is it is players for me, and it's which two players are on either side of Adam Gaudet on that third line. Hmm. Like, is it is Antoine Roussel a shoe in? Like I don't think so. I don't think so. Like as a third line left winger, Antoine Roussel probably isn't a shoe in. I think Tyler Mott has gained a lot of confidence from the organization from yep. what he did in the playoffs. I think that there's a chance we see Jake Vertanen on that third line, specifically if Louis Erickson's on the second line. I think Zach McEwen is going to come into camp and make a push for that third line. I think Niels Huglander's there for that left side. I think that there's a lot of options who can play with Adam Gaudet and the guy that. Like, I don't think it's going to happen just because of what happened last season with the Vancouver Canucks, but does Sven Berchi potentially play with Adam Gaudet on a third line? And I think that this third line is so interesting because let's look at it from, from what we saw with Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes last year. Like, they played a lot together, right? Like, Quinn Hughes had a negative control of the shot share when he was away from Elias Pettersson. Like, I'm not saying he needs Elias Pettersson to be great. Obviously, Quinn Hughes is a great defenseman, but he, he had a negative control of the shot share without him. So when they play together, that's when they're most effective. You're going to see them play together a lot. What if the other forward group that Quinn Hughes is playing with a lot is that Adam Gaudet group because then you can get a lot more offense out of them. And I think that could be something that's possible if you see Louis Erickson on the second line. Like if you see Louis Erickson on the second line playing in a defensive role, then having Quinn Hughes skate with Adam Gaudet's line as well, like in the rotation makes sense, right? Like it's going to go Quinn Hughes with the first line. And then you would go with the Nate Schmidt line with the Horvat line. And then the third line would be like a Sutter, Beagle, whatever. And you're going to have your third pairing go out with that group. And then you kind of just rotate in with the Quinn Hughes thing going in with that third pair or that third group of Adam Gaudet. Like that could really boost the offensive output from a guy like Adam Gaudet. So do you want to go with a Niels Huglander in that spot? Like, do you want to go with Niels Huglander and Zach McEwen? Like that's an interesting line. There's so many, there's so many options and so many different combinations like oh man I, I do you want me to give what i think it's going to be or what i'd like it to be what i'd like to let's see? guess let's let's guess what we what we no yeah let's okay. give what we hope Let, what would you put as your wingers for adam got out on the third line by the way 
Number 96, Adam Gaudet. Yeah. For people who don't know, backwards, 96 is 69, just so people know. Okay. Thank you for that, Chris. Um, I'm sure Pavel Bure was thinking the exact same thing when he wore it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, what I'd like to see first, I'll go. I'd like to see Hoglander on that line, feasting on some offensive yep. opportunities. Uh, I think that could be a quietly good two-way line with Hoglander there and just, like, at puck retrieval and stuff, like, getting the puck out and giving it to, you know, like, Hoglander's a playmaker and he can also, he has some sweet hands and I'd really like to see him with Gaudet. Uh, and then on the other side, I will say it's going to be McEwen in my ideal world. That's what I'll say. Okay. Um, but okay. what I think it's going to be is uh, Brandon Sutter on the center. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Jeez. That's, that's okay, really okay. bold. I, I don't think it's going to be that. I kind of hope it's not. Uh, I think it's going to be Gaudet manning the center. I think it's going to be Roussel on his wing. And then I do think that it is going to be Tyler Mott on the third line on opening night. Okay. I think McEwen's wow. going to get fourth line duty. Hmm. So you're putting uh, Tyler Mott on the right side, I assume. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's tough because I. I do think that looking at what the fourth line could be, I think Mott makes a lot more sense there than McEwen. Just because I don't think McEwen brings out much of a similar play to a Beagle and Sutter. That's the only way I look at it. Plus, mm. Sutter's probably going to play the right side. So having Mott go on the left side makes sense. But anyways, that's what you think you'll see. I, I'll give mine. What I would like to see on that third line, I would like to see Antoine Roussel on the left wing. I'd like to see Adam Gaudet at center. And I'd like to see Niels Huglander play on the right side. I think that trio gives Adam Gaudet a solid chance of being a 20-goal scorer with added what he's going to do on the power play. Because you're also going to have... Nils Huglander out on the power play with him on that second unit. So I think that gives Adam Gaudet the best chance of being a third line 20 goal scorer is putting him with playmakers like Nils Huglander and a guy like Antoine Roussel. Like, let's not forget when Roussel was playing with Bo Horvat, he was an excellent playmaker. So I think if Adam Gaudet's taken a little bit of a step at kind of scoring from different areas and scoring a little bit more from going towards the net. And even, even Niels Huglander, like, he does a good job of going towards the net. He would be a guy who I think the playmaking ability of Antoine Roussel and the type of playmaker that Antoine Roussel is would make a lot of sense with Huglander, too. So I would go, yeah, I'd go Roussel, Gaudet, Huglander on my third line. That's what I'd like to see. What I think we're going to see um, is going to be Antoine Roussel, Adam Gaudet, Jake Vertanen. Interesting. I like it. That's, that's a good take. That's a good take. Yeah, I'll stand by that. And then, yeah, we don't, let's just, we've gone pretty far. Let's not even talk about the fourth line. We have. The <laughs> next time people hear us talk, Chris, it will be after training camp. No, no, it won't, because we still have World Juniors to get into quads. Unless your phone is going to die right now. Uh, it is. Do you have anything to add? I'm at <sighs> 4%. The World if, if you okay. lose me, you lose me. All right, I'm going in quick. No, you know what? Let's save it for next week. You know what? We'll save it for next week. Um, we, yeah, we'll, we'll save it for next week. What world juniors, the battle of Cosmar and Colson was very nice. Hey, Oh my goodness. It was so good. Talk about it a little. If you lose me, you lose so me. Good. I won't do much talking. You close it out. <laughs> okay. If you lose me. Yeah. Cosmar, like people are, people were so excited about the rat that he was playing. Like yeah. that's just so people know that's nothing. That is nothing to what he does in the SHL. Like I was curious what he was going to do at the world juniors because that's a, that's a tournament where the refing is so strict. Like, you can't get away with anything at the World Juniors. After the whistle, if you throw a fist into a guy's face, you're getting a penalty. At the SHL level, 
Cosmar's doing this every single game, plus he's throwing fists, he's grabbing guys after the scrums, he's pissing everyone off, and he's hunting for stars. Like, he's being exactly what an agitator you want. Agitator is, like, he's being that at the SHL level. People got excited from what he did at the World Juniors. Just let me say, like, that is nothing. Like, wait till you see him play in a professional game. You're going to love him even more. And the fact that he wears number 14, like, chef's kiss like everybody loved seeing a little bit of Alex Burroughs a little bit of Yannick Hansen people probably went a little bit too nuts but I told people <laughs> on this show like a month ago that they are gonna get on the Cosmar hype train and where are people at right now they're on the freaking Cosmar hype train so just saying I I was right again you all yeah you typically are when it comes to prospects Chris usually said it first except for goaltending prospects I'm just I'm just yeah okay but yeah, <laughs> see how many rebounds he had the other day against Sweden What's that? I see how many rebounds he had against Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a yeah, pretty poor did. game. You you know he didn't have a good game there, right? Like he's, he he literally fine. scored on himself from flopping around in the net. All right, let's talk about Pod quickly. <laughs> no, you know what? We'll save Pod Colson for next week because uh, I think he's gonna just. I think he's getting better as this tournament goes on. So I'd like to save this for the midweek show next week uh, when we could talk about what he kept sure. doing at this tournament. And shut a lot of people up. Yep, he shut absolutely. a lot of people up after those first two games where he did flop a little bit. And I tweeted it. Like I said, he's got to stop playing like a fourth liner. He's got to start playing like a first liner. What has he done since then? He started playing like a first liner. And you know what? I sent him a little message, okay? After the first two games, <laughs> I sent him a little message on Instagram. And you know what? It was read, okay? He wow. read it. He didn't just leave it. He read it. So he didn't just ignore that message that I DM'd him. He read it. So he read it and then ignored it. He read it. It was a yeah. He ignored. He didn't reply. He didn't reply. But he read it. It was <laughs> wow. a. It was a. Uh, it was a picture of a lion. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Wait, what? You sent him a picture of a lion? Hell yeah, I did, dude. <laughs> and what was the text? Did you use Russian uh, translate? You were like, I you are did, lion. I did write it from I Christian did write Faberov. something in Russian. I'll just leave it like that. Christian Faberov was back in his. Back in the DMs, <laughs> or you know my smokes. little Instagram trick to get people's attention. Yes, I know. Right? Yeah. It's a dirty little trick, and he, he saw it. He saw it, and he read my message, and what's he done since he read the message? He's changed the thoughts of 80% of Canucks Twitter. He's a dominant player. He's going to be an NHL impact player. You should probably I've had a, uh, I've had a fired up episode. Instead of no, saying your, your method is a dirty little method, I have a way of getting them to open messages. That sounds not, no, it's, not it's very not right. Even, it's not even really messages. It's just how you can send something to someone to read on Instagram and get them to read it. So hmm. I'll leave it at that. Maybe for the Patreon. You want to come to the Patreon? We'll give you some Instagram tips. Uh, and we'll also we'll talk about um, some fun stuff from training camp uh, and, and how we... How we're, we're both going to be there, man. You know what? That's really cool. You know, like this episode comes out on Saturday. Um, within 48 hours of this podcast dropping. Sorry, I guess like 52 since it drops at 5 a.m. But we will be at Rogers Arena watching GD Canucks hockey, man. I'm so excited. Me too. It's going to be a very, very fun time. This is a good episode, Chris. I'm happy people are going to get to listen to this right before camp. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We always forget yeah, to yeah, mention yeah. that. But make sure you go do that. And as Chris mentioned there, the Patreon, uh, I'm not trying to brag, but uh, I had a little clarinet Christmas concert on the Patreon. Okay. Uh, 5 and $10 gets you all the bonus content, including the 
Christmas concert that I did with my clarinet. I learned Silent Night for that, man. Do you know how hard Silent Night is to play on the clarinet? You know what I learned from that? What? That we lost subscribers to the Patreon after that came out. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. We lost We lost two people that were $5 supporters of the show. So. That's so funny. I've, well, but I, but I will give you this. The fr- Yeah, the first time you did it, we did gain some Patreon subscribers, but <laughs> they must have not enjoyed the follow-up <laughs> album because we lost Patreon subscribers. I don't know. Maybe it was the Christmas song. I still haven't even listened to this thing because I got good. better things to do for five minutes, but you know, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll tune in and see why we lost subscribers. It's probably it's probably because we don't post enough. We got to get back on that, and we will as yeah, soon as the season true. starts that's up true. again. We are going to be right back on it. <laughs> that's but, the thing. We, we we didn't post a Patreon episode for a few weeks, and then you dump them with a five minute clarinet <laughs> album. Like no wonder they left. <laughs> My gosh, don't pin this on me. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. You have been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 